Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you, Father. We thank you for your word and your grace. Father, we thank you for your message that will go out and it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you said it to do. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. <clears throat> so this man and woman had been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, and she finally decided that there was no solution. He had to move out. So he packs all of his stuff, and he, he don't want to fight anymore, and he's, he's going to the door, and she stops him right before he gets to the door, and she said, I just want you to know one thing. I hope you live your whole entire life miserable, harassed, annoyed every day for the rest of your life. And he was like, wait a minute. Do you want me to stay or do you want me to go? <laughs> My wife ain't here. We're good. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I've been meditating on this verse for a while and I knew I was supposed to to preach about it and I've not been able to 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 grasp it until recently and now it's I've heard it all my life and you I've heard it quoted to me all of my life and I don't know that I ever fully understood what it meant so if you will turn with me to Nehemiah everybody everybody's got Nehemiah marked in their bible right um, and I'm actually going to read it in the King James Version because that makes more of what I get quoted at me, right? Uh, Nehemiah, if I can find it in my little handy-dandy phone here, um, chapter 8 and verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way and eat the fat and drink the sweet and send the portions unto them for who have nothing prepared, for this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we like to take that last little part of the section out, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I've heard it quoted, oh boy, every time I have been unhappy around somebody that was a well-meaning Christian, they have told me that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I don't know that I ever really understood what the joy of the Lord is. I mean, and I understand, but I don't necessarily understand. I didn't know. What is the joy of the Lord? And where does it come from? Well, what is it? And so I started doing research on every time that the word joy was used in the Bible, right? Every time. And they're just used a bunch. And if you flip through versions, one version will say happiness and one version will say joy. But there was one set of scriptures that really stood out. And I, 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 I didn't see it. I'd never seen it. So if you will, turn with me to the gospel according to Luke. Um, chapter 1, verse 44. Well, let's go back just a second. Um, 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 um. <clears throat> verse 39. And at the time, Mary got ready and hurried into town, into a town in the hill country of Judea. And when she entered Zechariah's home, she greeted and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby <clears throat> leaped in her womb. God, dog. It's awful early to be crying today. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in loud, <clears throat> a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? <clears throat> 
This is the joyful part. <clears throat> that the mother of the, my Lord should come to me. And as soon as your greeting reached my ears, <clears throat> the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I'm going to go back to Miss Rourke's thing with the water. So the first person to know, or not know, but to be greeted by the Savior, that baby leaped for joy. <clears throat> you can go into Psalms and it talks about being filled with joy and songs of joy and the joy is... The sorrow is in the night, but the joy comes in the morning, and then the joy of the salvation. But when you really start talking about people, <clears throat> man, if you really start talking about people who are surrounded and, and, and encapsulated in joy, it takes place in the, the book of Luke from chapter 1 to chapter 24. Over and over and over, when Jesus arrives, that's where joy comes from. <clears throat> And when we think about it in a very elementary way, that the joy of the Lord is literally that. It's Jesus. He sent His Son to die for our sins and to, to suffer on the cross that we may be full of joy. That's what it says in John 15. We'll read that in a minute. But every time Jesus went somewhere, it created joy. So if we can, we'll flip over a page or two in mine. I don't know about in yours. The Gospel according to Luke. We're going to stay in Luke because Luke does a really good job of recording this. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But then the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good noise, good noise, <laughs> good news that will cause great joy for all people. Right? This is the announcement of the birth to the shepherds, right? Do not be afraid because we're bringing you news of great joy. Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and the great joy of the Lord, man, that sounds like good stuff. But the joy of the Lord continued to be developed over time, that every time they talked about Jesus, this great joy that was taking place, that the Messiah was coming. <clears throat> and here we are today, and I would say as a group, we suffer with joy, right? <laughs> We, we, we suffer with the idea of joy. We have a sensory overload that is taking place in and around us. You can hear whatever you want to hear. You can get in your sounding chamber and hear people that sound like you 24-7. Praise the Lord, it's raining. That's joyful too, isn't it? <clears throat> but the joy of the Lord comes from our, is our strength. And we get so... Numb to the idea that we are supposed to be joyful because the Savior lives inside of us. That every time, if you, go, if you go through the process, every time they talked about Him being the Messiah, he, they talked about joy. Great joy in this particular instance. So let's go forward again in Luke. <clears throat> it's all in the same book, so it helps me out. Luke 15, <clears throat> and Jesus says, <clears throat> all right, I'll, I'll read the whole thing, 15.3, and then Jesus told this parable, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one, doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me because I have failed my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous who do not need to repent. So when I repented and asked Jesus to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, heaven was rejoicing and joyful over that decision. That is the joy of the Lord. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I read that parable and he talks about that I would joyfully grab a sheep and lift him up on my shoulders with his undercarriage across the back of my neck, that does not make joyful thoughts come through my head. I'm sorry, Mr. Bobby's not here. I'm going to tell a funny story that he was present with. We were hunting years and years and years ago, and, and, and way back when, our, our dogs used to get off our property and go on other people's property or whatever before we got better at managing our stuff. But anyway, this one particular day, they had went across the highway, across the highway. Usually they go under the bridges or whatever, but this day they went across the highway. And they went in this big swamp on the other people's property, and we called them and said, hey, look, we got dogs. And they said, no problem, go get them. And so we went in there and we called our dogs and we, we were trying to come back out. And, and, and Gerald Harris, and if y'all remember Gerald, Gerald was a card, but Gerald was a card, had this little dog that he loved so much. And that dog was in the middle of this nasty, muddy swamp, covered. He was brown, but you couldn't tell he was brown because he was covered in mud. And we are all dragging our dogs by the collars trying to get them back to the road. And Gerald walks out with his dog mud and god knows what else wrapped around his shoulders and joyfully toted that dog back to the side of the highway and when i read this parable this week i was thinking that's how gerald harris felt toting that nasty dog out of the swamp because he was so proud that his dog that that was really it he was proud that his dog was in the bunch that went there right because this was this was i mean you had to have good dogs to get to where that one was and gerald was just happy that his dog was with him But he put that nasty, stinking, muddy dog across his shoulders and walked grinning up the side of the highway, so excited that his dog was there. That's where we're at. When we are nasty and stinky and smelly and muddy and full of sin, when we repent and come to have Jesus in our heart, that joy, that dog... I really did not think this was a tough sermon to preach. I really didn't. I thought this was going to be joyful and laughter and not. But it's so moving to think about throwing that nasty animal over his shoulders and walking out pridefully and then calling his friends and neighbors. That's what he said, right? That they said, oh, can you believe it? Robbie got saved. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a spectacular thing? That's where the joy of the Lord comes from. And our strength that comes from that is the knowing and understanding that nothing will separate us from the love of God. That once he totes our nasty rear ends up the hill and celebrates us and puts us back in the flock, that we don't have to worry about being gone anymore. We don't have to worry about whether or not we did what we were supposed to do or not. We didn't have to worry about if somebody said something bad about us or not. 
Because we have the joy of the Lord as our strength. What joy? The joy that he celebrated us coming back. <clears throat> the joy knowing that we fit in that group. The joy knowing that we're part of that family. The joy knowing that he died for me. As joyful as that sounds. That he took his beating and torture for me. That he celebrated me. That he celebrated me. <clears throat> If he, all right, so i got to go to a different gospel just for a second. So, so John, the gospel according to John. Fifteen. And I've, I, I have preached in this, 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 this set of scriptures. And it's amazing how we, I, I end up in the same chapter and verse or really close. <clears throat> but I'll start with nine. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now you remain in my love. So this is a, I am the vine and you're the branches, right? This is the parable of Jesus talking about I'm the vine and you're the branches. And if you're in me, then you're in the Father, right? You're plugged into the source, and the source is plugged into God. Uh, um, so verse 10 If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. As I have kept my Father's commandments and remained in His love. And I have told you this, that, your, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right? See how that works? That, that He's happy because I came back and I'm happy because He would take me. That my joy is complete knowing that when this is over with, that I'm going home to live in a mansion. That I'm going home to be with Jesus. That my joy is complete. And, 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 you know, perspective is such a big uh, idea of, of who you are and where you are in life. In fact, I, my, my kids are, are, are struggling with some perspective. Uh, um, this weekend, they're playing in the ASA State, which is one of the toughest tournaments in, in the state of South Carolina. And, and it's teams from all over. I think it was 70 teams in it when it started. And... and, and <clears throat> Riley and her group are in the final two in their age group of the last two undefeated teams. And Riley pitched last night in the, in the, in the game to put them into the semifinals today. And she pitched almost a complete game, but she kind of lost a little bit of momentum and she had to come out of the game, but they still won. And she hit the ball and she did well. And she was absolutely unconsolable at the end of the game. Now, now, she pitched almost a complete game. She, she threw a no-hitter. She threw a no-hitter, but she walked a couple players, and, and they took her out because she kind of run out of run out of steam. But she has no joy in this. <clears throat> and I said, your perspective is terrible. There's, there's 16 other teams in your age group who would love to be in the undefeated game, and all of your teammates would love to have pitched that game, and you performed wonderful, yet you are absolutely miserable because you didn't do it exactly like you wanted to do. Now, I know that's a softball reference and not everybody gets it, but there are people who would cut off a finger to be in your life that you are miserable with. There are people who are envious over what you have that you think is beneath you. I don't know how many kids that I have watched play ball who can't make it to the level they're at to be in that tournament 
number one, to be successful in that tournament, number two, and to be the star of the game, that particular game, number three. I mean, that's pretty elite company for the weekend. But how many people would love to have your family, your spouse, your children, your job, your home that you take for granted, that your perspective stinks? Your upbringing, your surroundings, your friends, your opportunities. When we get into our perspective and we lose our joy, we are looking at not what is important. Because when we go back to the joy of the Lord is our strength, what we should be worried about, our joy should be complete in knowing that Jesus came to die for us and he adopted us as sons and daughters of Christ and that's really all that matters and whether you live in a thousand square foot or five thousand square foot or whether you drive a brand new vehicle or old vehicle who really cares who really cares whether you play softball or you don't play softball whether you play soccer or football or tennis or golf or nothing whether you're the best channel surfer that's ever been and you can run a remote as good as anybody on the planet None of that matters. Whether you're the number one student or the number 5,000 student, what matters, what matters when he talks about our joy being complete, what matters is that Jesus lives on the inside of us and that we know we're going home to be in heaven with him. That's what matters because you can be the richest dude on the planet and not have Jesus and you is going to hell. And he didn't send you there. You decided it for yourself. So when we talk about the joy of the Lord is our strength, we have a different perspective. We're not single down thinking about what? Well, I didn't get the promotion and -and so-and-so got the promotion and I didn't make enough money or my wife isn't thin enough or pretty enough or my husband don't have enough hair or whatever. I mean, whatever y'all fight with. Crystal has been in that boat for a long time. But whatever you think is your biggest shortcoming... When you put it in perspective of comparing yourself to having Jesus and not having Jesus, your biggest shortcoming or your wife's biggest shortcoming or your house's biggest shortcoming or your kid's biggest shortcoming or your job's biggest shortcoming means absolutely nothing. The joy of the Lord is our strength that we are already in a winning hand. We already have the game beat. It's already done. The rest of this is just details. All of this other stuff that goes around, we we shouldn't be able to be moved away from being joyful. When you get your perspective big enough to understand that we are the children of God and the heirs with Christ and joint heirs with Christ and nothing will make them leave us or forsake us and nothing can separate us from that, then what do you have to be sad about? Did Did something didn't go right? Did you throw a no-hitter, but you couldn't quite finish the game? That seems kind of silly. Did you didn't have lobster thermidor last night for supper? Did you have chicken fried steak or whatever? I mean, I don't understand why we are so dissatisfied with who we are when, when you start adding up who we are, The first thing I am is a child of the Most High God, and His joy is in me becoming part of that group. And once I become part of that group, then everything else I do is shadows compared to what that is. 
Everything else we do is shadows compared to the promise that God has given us of salvation. That there's nothing else. There really is nothing else. You got Jesus in your heart, you win. Everything else doesn't matter. Or nothing, nothing else matters. Everything else doesn't matter. I don't know. However, that negative, double negative, whatever. What's most important to us should be our relationship with Christ. In fact, Jesus said that in Matthew. The seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of this other stuff will be added unto you. Well, if our joy is really complete in Jesus, then are we really wanting or lacking in any of those areas? When we focus on what's number one, do we really have time to be worried about whether or not my shoes cost enough or, you know, our clothes are nice enough or our house is nice? Do we really have time to be worried about the rest of that? No. Really and truly, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, if him celebrating us to come be part of his family is our number one, then we don't have anything to be concerned over. We don't have anything to be worried about. We're not worried about whether or not we're going to eat. We're not worried about whether or not we have clothes. We're not worried about that. Why? Because his word says, because his word says I shouldn't. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added unto you. And he, he references the birds and the flowers, right? The flowers are the prettiest thing on the planet. Everybody loves flowers. They're not worried about whether or not they're getting dressed today or not. The poor little old birds chirping on, they're not worried about whether or not they're going to eat today or not. And he says, how much greater are you than these things? As children of God, if his joy was to put your nasty self over his shoulders and tote you into the family, if that was his joy, then do you really think that he's not happy when you're happy? You really think he doesn't want the best for you? I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'd really have to love my sheep. To be able to throw them over my shoulder and tote them back to the house. I mean, I really, I really, I really like to have to like that sheep. You ever seen the bottom of a sheep? It's not good. All that, I mean, Crystal's got a little fluffy dog that looks like a sheep. I'm not putting her over my shoulders either. All of the nasty that comes under the bottom of a sheep? Mm-mm, no, thank you. But his joy was the opportunity to pick that sheep up and tote him back into camp. And then he called his friends and his neighbors and explained to them how wonderful of a day it was that we got to bring this sheep back in. You think that sheep who got brought back in said, well, you know, I'm glad he brought me in. But do you see this blemish in my fur or wool? I mean, have you seen how big my feet are compared to Bill's? I mean, do you see how inadequate I am as a sheep? That doesn't even sounds silly to say, right? How inadequate I am as a sheep. You think God thinks that about us? How inadequate you are as a person? Well, number one question, do you have Jesus in your heart? Okay, cool, then you're not inadequate as a person anymore. But the truth is, is I don't care how successful you are or what kind of titles you have before or after your name or how much money you have or how big your house is. If you don't have Jesus, you are inadequate. And the world chases that inadequacy trying to prove themselves with bigger, nicer, more cars, private jets, whatever. And all of that is secondary to the free gift of salvation of Jesus living in our heart. That the joy of the Lord is our strength means that he toted us in and we 
are set aside. We are the first cut, already taken care of, and that nothing separates us from the joy in the Lord. <clears throat> and if we just can get our perspective straight, and then, you know, look, I, I get it. We got lots of stuff, and, and you want to do good for your kids, and we want to have a nice house, and well, you want your grass cut nice and pretty, and you want your corn to grow, and it, I mean, all of that matters. But it really don't. It really don't. It doesn't matter. I, I, I can't believe for a second that they stand, you know, that old joke about St. Peter standing at the gate going, I'm sorry, what kind of car did you drive? Oh, um, you're going to have to wait a minute. Um, we, we got somebody over here driving a Mercedes there in line in front of you. You, you. you hold on. I mean, really? Do you think it matters? No. How much money did you make? Oh, sorry. You, you, you're in the poor line in heaven. You have to go stand over there. I mean, we're talking about a place that they paved the streets in gold. You, you think monetary? You think there's some form of fashion or something you can do to impress God? Yeah, give it all to the poor. Every ounce of it with a good heart, right? Because God also says if you want to look for all of the places joy is used, God loves a joyful giver too, right? That's why we clap when we take up our tithes. So if you want to talk about joy and enjoy in a biblical sense, our focus is solely on Jesus. Because the strength that comes from the relationship with Him is unbreakable, it's invaluable, and there's nothing else that you do that compares to it. Nothing. Nothing. Not being a good parent, not being a good spouse, not going to be. And look, I, I want you to be a, a good parent and a good child and a good student and a good employee and a good employer and a good manager and a good citizen and a good person. That's what the commercial is about. For the body of Christ to grow, you people, us people, have to look like good Christians. Not because we have to look like good Christians for Jesus to love us. He loves us already. He's already saved us. But for this body to grow, that's where the joy of the Lord comes in. Because if you're absolutely miserable in your life because your perspective is sucked down into something that you're disappointed in, and you walk around looking like you gargled lemon juice, and people see you and go, well, that guy's a Christian. Well, he's always miserable. I don't want to be him. That's a different kind of joy. We should be so happy knowing that we have the winning hand when this is all said and done that you couldn't wipe the smile off our face. Why? I don't believe... Y'all <clears throat> think Jesus walked around with a frown? Most people who are unhappy with everything that they do do not have crowds of people that follow them around. That is, that is normal. I mean I, don't, I mean, I don't know anybody that I know that is absolutely miserable at everything that they do, that crowds of people want to be just like them. So the joy of the Lord is our strength, knowing that every time Jesus was brought up in the Bible, that it created joy. And that that joy was Him coming to get us and saving us. That, and that our joy... It's wrapped up knowing that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you and praise you for this message. Father, we pray that it will go out and will not return void. We give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.
Thomas, everything off.